This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Connolly. Thank you so much for joining in. Jeff Gilbert is the excellent auto reporter for WWJ News Radio 950 and for CBS Radio. And as we speak, he is out in Los Angeles for work. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But more importantly, I like to kind of get a weather update. Jeff, how are you? I am doing good. And as we record this, it is, what, about 36 hours after the big storm, and uh, you can't see any trace of it. It looks like just another sunshiny day in Southern California. Wow. That's good. Hopefully those folks aren't suffering too much out there with the aftermath. All right. So what took you out to L.A.? Well, I'm out here today for an opportunity to learn about and to drive Kia's EV9. That's their big electric vehicle. I haven't had any chance to do any of that yet. I just arrived today. And when we do these things, we agree that we will not give driving impressions until a certain date, which I think is in mid-September. But this is an important vehicle. It's a full-size electric SUV from Kia. Looks beautiful. So I can't wait to get a chance to get behind the wheel and also to learn more about it. Well, I initially want to talk to you first about the UAW and its contracts, but since you're bringing up electric vehicles, I saw a pretty interesting story where Ford CEO Jim Farley experienced what it's like to drive an electric vehicle and what we may have challenges with. Uh, Jeff, talk a little bit about that because I know you covered it. Yeah, well, you know, Jim Farley's story, I didn't read the whole thing, but I can tell you about my personal adventures in recharging an electric vehicle. And, you know, the infrastructure just isn't there yet. I get to drive a lot of different vehicles. When I have to recharge them at home, I've got to do a wall socket because I don't have a level two charger at home, something that somebody would need if they bought one. But I know a couple of places where there are fast chargers. And, you know, you do run into situations where maybe the speed is back. Maybe somebody is taking one of only one or two plugs that are there. And, you know, there are cases where people have had a lot of issues. It's still not as easy as it is to fill up a tank of a traditional vehicle with gasoline. Jeff, have we gotten too ahead of ourselves when trying to push this technology and use it when infrastructure is not in place? It's hard to say. It's a chicken and egg kind of thing because the incentive for infrastructure is to have a lot of vehicles that will use it. The incentive for electric vehicles is to have the infrastructure. So it's growing pains. And the interesting thing for me is there's a lot of research being done on electric vehicle batteries that run further and that recharge faster. As I've said to many people, if you want to be an early adopter, you want something really cool, an EV is probably right for you right now. If you enjoy the comfort and convenience that comes with a tried and trusted century-old technology, you probably want to stick with a gasoline-powered vehicle until they iron out some of these issues. But I will tell you that they have a lot of smart people working on it. And, you know, the hope is to get the recharge time of an electric vehicle down to at least where it's in the same ballpark as a gasoline-powered vehicle. Maybe not, you know, the same five minutes, but maybe 15 minutes. And, Jeff, that was my next question to you in regards to EVs. I think it's really fun and interesting how so many automakers have really dove into this, are using resources to try and further the technology. Well, they are. And again, there are government incentives for doing that. And there's a government push in the U.S. and other countries to move to electric vehicles. I think most of those involved see this as the future. The big argument is 
how soon of the future? I mean, most of the experts I talk to say it's going to be very difficult to meet some of those goals to be mostly EV, even all EV in the 2030s. They think it's going to take longer, but most of the experts I think I talk to think it will happen, just not as fast as we think it will. Jeff, so we're talking about EVs. Just wanted to get your take on AI and EVs in the automotive industry. Where are we with that? Where do you see it going? At this point, artificial intelligence is a tool that the auto industry is using. Somebody was asking, I was at a supplier roundtable the other week, is that something that maybe will have artificial intelligence replace software developers? And they said, not really. I mean, it might write some simple code here and there for something that isn't all that important, but it's still important to have humans do it. It's like anything else when computers came in, you know, you and I are talking through computers right now, but it's replaced phone lines and improved them. So many people think that's going to be the same thing with artificial intelligence. Will it make things more productive and possibly cost jobs? Well, yeah, that's the same thing we've seen with automation. Will it take everybody's job? Probably not. Jeff, is the auto industry in the state of Michigan on solid ground? And do you see that continuing into over the next few years? You know, they're making profits right now, the car makers are, but there is the worry about the cost they're spending for electric vehicles, also the competition that they're going to be facing from EV startups with lower costs. So things are going well right now, but there are some possible storm clouds on the horizon. We're talking with Jeff Gilbert, who's the excellent auto reporter for WWJ News Radio 950 and CBS Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk with Jeff about the UAW contract negotiations. A lot of rhetoric out there from the UAW. We'll talk about that next here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. The workplace keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. DBI helps customers reach their workplace goals, from improving worker effectiveness and innovation to brand expression. DBI is your office furniture partner. Learn more at dbiguess.com. Welcome back to Media Business. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Jeff Gilbert. I follow Jeff Gilbert on X, formerly Twitter, and also on Facebook. And if you get a chance, go to Facebook and see Jeff Gilbert's page. He's got a picture there from when he was a reporter DJ back from <laughs> 1979. Hey, and he's got the great hair going on there. <laughs> everybody wore their hair like that back then. <laughs> it's a sharp picture. Got the turtleneck going on. You're just, uh, you got it going on there, Jeff. I like it. And the cool Panasonic headphones too. Don't forget about those. <laughs> nice. Well, let's talk about the UAW. They are in contract negotiations with GM and Ford. I see a lot of rhetoric coming from uh, UAW. What's the latest on that story as you see it, Jeff? Well, you know, we're counting it down till September 14th at 11.59 p.m. That's a deadline. The union says at this point 
it considers all three car makers their strike target, but it's always possible they could choose one as a lead company as we, we get into it. The union right now has presented the list of demands from workers. They want big pay raises. They want more time off. They want pensions to come back. They want cost of living increases. Now, will they get those? Well, that will depend on the negotiations. The car makers are looking and they're talking about what we talked about earlier. There's a lot of money they're spending for electric vehicles. They're feeling a lot of competition from car makers that have much lower labor costs. But eventually, they're going to have to meet in the middle. Can they do that by the deadline? Most of the experts think no, that there probably will be a strike against at least one of the car makers. Mm. Interesting. As I have just scanned the internet trying to find information from other media outlets on there, a lot of the rhetoric I see is that the automakers are making a lot of money and that the UAW feels they should get a lot more of that and they should work less for that money. Of course, contract negotiations, both sides are going to put out what they feel. What do you think, Jeff? What you have now, and this is what makes a strike more likely, is you've got the two sides talking about different things, and in their own way, they're both right. You mentioned the UAW. The car makers are making a lot of money. The UAW says a quarter of a trillion dollars since coming out of the Great Recession, and that's true. The car makers have something that they're saying that's also true, that they're also spending a lot of money on research and development. There are a lot of costs. And they're facing a lot of low-cost competitors, even more so than before. It used to be they would face the Japanese three and maybe Volkswagen. Well, now they face Tesla, which is a lower-cost competitor. VinFast, a Vietnamese car company, wants to build cars in the U.S. EVs. So they're facing a lot more competition. So you've got one side talking about one thing, another talking about the other. And that makes it harder to meet in the middle. UAW President Sean Fain is quoted saying UAW workers were not settled for scraps. The, apparently, the last time they had a strike uh, against GM was in 2019, and it lasted 40 days. From what you can remember, Jeff, what was the effect of that, and could GM withstand that again? It's very possible we could have a strike against any of the car makers or all of the car makers. It could go 40 days. It could go longer than that. It could be over quickly. It's hard to tell. But, uh, you know, you have the car makers who are looking at this going, okay, it's going to cost us this much to give the UAW what they want, but it may cost us more or less for a strike. So people are kind of figuring out the equation right now. Would the car companies survive a strike? Most likely. But, you know, some experts say maybe they could survive a strike more than they could survive a bad contract. So it's going to get interesting come the end of September. So, Jeff, in regards to auto workers for other companies, whether they're unionized or not, how are they doing out there and how do they deal with their workers? Yeah, different companies deal differently. You know, a lot of them are located in the South, which are right-to-work states. None of what they call the transplants, foreign-owned car makers, 
that make vehicles in the U.S. are unionized. If people get a good wage, I can't tell you what they make. It's not UAW wages. It's certainly not UAW benefits. So they don't have that. But the union still has not been able to organize those companies. But, you know, you also take a look at the new companies like VinFast, as I mentioned earlier, a Vietnamese car maker that's building a plant in North Carolina. We have no idea what those jobs are going to pay. But at the end of the day, car makers have to make attractive vehicles that they can sell at attractive prices or they're not going to be in business. So that's one of the things that the Detroit Three face. We've got one more segment with Jeff Gilbert, who is the excellent auto reporter for WWJ News Radio 950 and CBS Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the car makers and how they're servicing the younger car buyers. We'll do that next here on Media Business on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Tony Cummings. Sonair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sonair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sonair.com. Welcome back to Media Business. I'm Tony Conley. We're talking with Jeff Gilbert. Jeff, one of the things I love to do is when stories come out that I know I'm going to cover, I like to ask my two sons who are both college age and their friends what they think about a story. And as I was talking with my two boys about vehicles, do they want luxury? They're bigger guys. Do they want room? You know, what do they want? Jeff, they want tech. They want technology more than anything. And I found that hey, interesting. So do I. Yeah. <laughs> I found that interesting coming from two guys, one who's 6'6 and one who's 6'4. But it seems like their friends like the same thing. What do you think? Well, you know, these are people who were raised with technology. I mean, you know, for. I assume that you started in an analog world just like I did. And, you know, we're wowed by things. I mean, when I somebody first showed me the internet, my jaw dropped to the ground. Well, you know, this generation was born with that, and they expect that in everything they have. They have smart TVs. They have Alexa-type devices. This is just what they were raised with, so they expect that in vehicles, and car makers know that. <laughs> there was a time they bragged about horsepower. They bragged about MPGs. They bragged about the number of cup holders in a car. Now you hear them bragging about the number of screens in a vehicle and whether they're high-definition. I had a chance to look at the Escalade IQ, an electric version of the Cadillac Escalade. This has a screen in front of the driver that extends all the way in front of the passenger that would, you know, the resolution of that is better than what you have on your home flat screen TV. So, you know, these are the kinds of things car makers are putting in vehicles, connectivity, and then you get into driver assistance, hands-free technology, and ultimately maybe self-driving technology. So, yeah, there's a big technology race. Jeff, what's your thought on the Detroit Auto Show? I know that you were president and maybe still are of the awards committee that handed out a pretty big awards. Talk a little bit about that and how our auto show's doing. 
I'm president of North American Car Truck and Utility of the Year, and we'll use the show in Detroit to kind of kick off our awards judging and tell people the vehicles that are going to be in the competition this year. That'll be on the 13th. So thank you for allowing me to make that plug. Auto shows are really, in many cases, particularly in Detroit, becoming maybe more of a consumer event, less of a media event. Used to be you would go to the auto show in Detroit and you'd have, you know, Dozens of new vehicle introductions here. I'm guessing it'll be in the single digits and only from the Detroit three. So the world is changing and auto shows are changing with it. And they're emphasizing more for, you know, the public of this being a place where you can go and you can check out vehicles side by side and, you know, where the car companies don't want to be then they'll have dealers put exhibits. So many of the import brands at the Detroit show will be not from the brands, but from the dealers, whereas the Detroit 3 and Toyota will be the ones that have big displays that are put together by the companies. Jeff, I know you have traveled to auto shows around the globe. Which ones impress you, interest you the most? You know, for years, Frankfurt was like the granddaddy of auto shows. They had a dozen halls. I mean, it was exhausting just to go through them. Some companies like BMW and Mercedes would have their own hall of things. And that show totally collapsed. It does not exist anymore. And it's being replaced by a show in Munich, which I'll get to go to next month, which is as much technology as it is automobiles. So there's that tech thing that you mentioned. And for car makers that are trying to make an impression many of them do that at the big ces show in las vegas but what they used to call the consumer electronics show when i went there earlier this year the car makers were spending more on displays there than they spend on displays at auto shows so you know as i said earlier the world is changing and it's changing in that regard as well Jeff, that consumer technology show, you cannot get through that in a day or two. You got to go out there and spend at least a few days. And if you're lucky enough, spend a week because it is massive. And that includes the auto portion of that show. The autos have become a big part of that show. As I mentioned, Frankfurt CES is also in multiple halls in Las Vegas, and they built a brand new hall that is huge, much bigger than Huntington Place, what used to be Cobo Center in Detroit. And that hall has now been reserved for car-related exhibits. They have their own hall, and it's the biggest hall of the show. So that'll show you how important technology has become to the auto industry, and the auto industry has become to the tech industry. Jeff, how are we in the media doing when it comes to covering the auto industry and what consumers maybe want to learn about the auto industry? There are so many different ways the media covers it. You have the enthusiast magazines, the motor trends and the auto weeks. You have the uh, newspapers and wire services that cover the business area. And then people like me that try to cover a little bit of everything. As I have covered, it's a fascinating industry. I love covering it. I feel every day is like turning a page in a new novel because there's something new. And it's an industry with a lot of nuance that sometimes general assignment reporters just think of strikes and recalls and things of that nature. But there's so much more to it. Jeff, are younger buyers, say 35, 25 and under, buying new vehicles from what you know? It just depends on the price. The younger you are, often the less money you have. So, you know, most people are of any age are in the used car market. The industry sells twice as many used cars as new cars a year. So you've got to be pretty high up in income to afford a new car these days. Upper middle class or above. 
Jeff Gilbert is the auto reporter for WWJ News Radio 950 and for CBS Radio. You can follow him on Facebook. Get to WWJ. I listen to him online. Jeff, I appreciate you so much. Have fun out in LA, and we'll talk again soon. Thanks, Tony. Great talking to you. I'm Tony Connolly. This is Media Business on the Michigan Business Network.